Hey, welcome to FQ, where we talk about faith, family, and friends. I'm Jacob. And I'm George. And welcome to this week's podcast. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. It is June 14th, 2021. How's it going, George? It's going great. Uh, this is episode 79. 79. <laughs> and today we have Kyle Thompson from On Undaunted Life um, as our guest. We're very honored to have you on. We know you've had a bunch of uh, other cool people on your podcast. And uh, we just want to get into this and... Uh, what is, what is undaunted life? What does it mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on here with you today, guys, but, um, undaunted was kind of a word that I felt like God gave me a while back in terms of how I should help direct men in how they should act in kind of their normal everyday lives, because most men walk around kind of navel gazing, shoulder slumped down. Uh, they kind of have this fearful mindset about, you know, whatever it is, it could be about their relationships. It could be about their business. It can be about just life in general, their physicality. And most guys just live kind of this very meek life and not in the positive sense of the word meek. And so for us, we're, we're here to equip men to push back darkness. And that is the main reason why we're on this planet. And specifically we do that by providing content like podcasts and devotionals and things like that, that help men cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of those types of things as in terms of why I focus on those things and how we do that. But that's ultimately why we're here. Um, you know, this has been a podcast. We just released our 200th episode last week. And yep. so we do kind of individual podcasts and interview podcasts. We've got some new devotionals that are going to be coming out here soon that are going to be really kind of pushing the envelope with a lot of guys. But it's just equipping men to be able to do the things that they need to do because there is so much darkness culturally and spiritually, and most men aren't equipped to even handle it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, and that's I, where we're at today. And it's, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, it seems like society just wants to keep pushing men back and who we are. And, you know, they keep throwing around this word toxic masculinity. And I'm like, it's not, toxic to be masculine it's okay for us to be men that's who we are designed to be we are the stronger sex it's just a fact you know our physical strength we have more blood thrown going through our veins we have more muscle mass than women do and uh i mean i was talking to jacob last week i think on our podcast and I'm like I, can we coin the term toxic femininity <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of people that have kind of talked about toxic femininity because especially when you get into first and second wave feminism, a lot of things that they were doing was were toxic. And I certainly wasn't the person that coined this phraseology, but a lot of femininity, like feminism, is mm -hmm. not about loving women; it's about hating men. And so yeah. that that's certainly something that people uh, don't really understand. But for us, when it comes to masculinity, there is masculinity that is toxic. It's just not the types of masculinity that they're talking about. Right? right. So when a when a man holds uses his strength, his God given strength, his bone density, his musculature to hold a woman down and rape her, that's about as toxic as a thing can be. It's about yeah, as evil yeah. of a thing that can be. And so I'm okay talking about toxic masculinity. It's just they're never talking about what's actually toxic. Because you know what else was really toxic? When you had a bunch of 17, 18, and 19 year old boys storming the beaches of Normandy in France, you know, 75 years ago yeah. and trying to push back darkness over there and win a war that 
wasn't really directly affecting them at their cornfield in Iowa or where they grew up in South Texas. That was a very toxic thing to do, but we're all the better for it. And we're not speaking German today because people did that type of thing. And so, yes. again, uh, if you go back to an interview I did uh, with John Eldridge here a couple of months back, he talked about when people are talking about these toxic things, when things are dangerous, that doesn't mean that we get rid of them. Right. It means that we put them in the hands of people that know how to use them. Medicine is dangerous if you don't know how to use it. A gun is dangerous if you have ill will towards somebody or you don't know how to use it. That doesn't mean we get rid of these things that are dangerous. It just means that we put them in the hands of people that are capable of wielding them or using them in a positive way. Absolutely. Sure. I love that. And I think that's what Jacob and I want to do too is like when, you know, we talk about equipping men, um, I've always felt this way. Like it's okay for, you know, it's okay for us to raise our sons to be gentlemen and open doors for women and um, walk a, a friend even as a, you know, to the door or whatever. Yeah. Um, I've held doors open for women and then just get, get the dirtiest look. And I'm like, I'm just trying to help out another human. You know, I see your hands are full of stuff. I'm going to open the door for you. And it, and in that case, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I'm trying to help out a fellow human. Yeah. So why are you giving me dirty looks? I know you're capable of opening that door, <laughs> you know? So how did, how did you, because obviously you didn't just wake up and go, hey, I'm just going to do this podcast. Um, so how, to reverse back a little bit, so what, what's your story, man? Like, did you grow up in a Christian home? I know you've talked a little bit about your father and your house. Like, how did that play out during your, like, childhood and high school years? Yeah, so I guess the short version of that story is, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma. And so, and by the way, a bird just dive-bombed. I know we don't make any edits. <laughs> a bird literally just dive-bombed this window right next to me and scared the crap out of me and uh, tried to commit suicide. I don't know. Birds do that all the time. That means we got really clean windows. But, but you know, back to kind of the story. Um, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma. And so, as we talked about off-air, you know, if you grow up in Oklahoma, that essentially means that you're a Christian by dint of birth. It's like you were born in Oklahoma. You are born in the belt buckle, the Bible belt, so you believe in yeah. God. Uh, but we didn't really go to church. Uh, um, as a sixth grader, my mom started taking my sister and I to a church of Christ there locally. I think she grew up a little bit church of Christ, but it was one of those things where I just, I, I was hoping every Sunday that she would sleep in, that we didn't have to go. We didn't really connect with anybody. It was just one of those weird things. Church just wasn't really part of our way of doing things. And then my parents got divorced when I was 13, which doesn't make me unique. It makes me incredibly like just about everybody else that, you know, with their parents not being together. But that was kind of a formative time period, as you would imagine, at the age of 13, yeah. you're kind of learning how to be a man mm -hmm. and the man of the house is no longer there. And the woman of the house is not allowing you to kind of step into that manhood side of things. And so I'm sure that plays into how Undaunted got here to begin with. But I started going to church on my own. When I was about 14 years old, just because my best friends were going to a church somewhere else. Yeah. And that's where all the cute girls went. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, if that's where the cute girls are going to be. That's where <laughs> I'm going to be. And so, but you know, there was a hellfire and brimstone speech on a Sunday night and a sermon rather. And I accepted Christ that evening and I was a 10th grader and I just started digging into the Bible and just reading the new Testament and just kind of trying to figure things out. But around that same time, guys, I was looking around at the men that were the good Christian men, right. Yeah. In the church, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that were going to be discipling me or the ones that I was trying to emulate and the thing that I noticed, and I didn't, I couldn't put words to it at the time. These were not manly men. Yeah. So describe 
manly man in any way that you would want to. But as a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old, these weren't like the manliest men. The manliest men I knew didn't go to church. They lived outside the church world. And so I kind of had a little bit of this dichotomy of, okay, church is where the the Christians go and man, like manly men, they go elsewhere. Like they're doing other things. And so that, that's essentially the, the dichotomy in my brain that was there for a long time. But as, as I kind of grew older and in my early twenties, it was something that kept gnawing at me. Like, man, why can't men be manly and Christian? They're seeing why, why do these things seem to be like oil and water? And I, I go yeah. into a lot of reasons in my own podcast about that, but it's, it's one of those things that I finally got to the point where I was thinking to myself that there were going to be men that are rough around the edges, you know, retired military, MMA fighters, jujitsu fighters, uh, you know, police construction workers that were going to miss out on who Jesus was because they walk into a church, they see all his doughy followers and they're like, ah, I don't really want to be like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I was blessed to, to grow up in a church that like really, if it wasn't for the guys that, that were in my life at, at the time that my dad was blue collar, loved the Lord. Um, it wasn't always that way. He didn't always love the Lord, but um, I mean, I, I think he always had a somewhat of a faith, but not a real, you know, hard after the Lord and you know as I was growing up as a little kid but as I got older he really got more into his faith but blue collar always working friends of his that and um other friends that I I'm still friends with today they're all just solid dudes you know that you would say that's a that's a man's man you know construction workers electricians you know um just warehouse workers blue collar dudes that um, were on fire and loved the Lord. So I, I grew up in Wheaton and had both that, like you say on your podcast, like the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. I did get to see both sides of that. Cause I also saw, you know, more meek and, um, some people might look at them outwardly as weak, but when you were in the prayer room with them, they were on fire calling, you know, calling you know casting out demons whatever like just <laughs> like these guys were prayer warriors um and i just i i loved that i got to be blessed with that but you know you obviously had to, something different there uh but i love how you say we need both we need that that lamb of god and lion of judah it's not one or the other yeah and i would say unfortunately george the I would say the majority of men didn't have the experience you did. Yeah. Yeah. And that for years and years and years of the messages I've been getting from men all over the world that are just desperate for words like the ones I'm speaking. And that's yeah. not for, for everyone to, you know, Hey, Pat Kyle in the back. It's just a reality that <laughs> yeah. these men aren't getting that in their churches. Right. They, yeah. they're waiting to hear what I have to say about an important social topic. Cause they know their pastor is not going to touch it. Their pastor is not going to talk about critical race theory. Their pastor is not going to talk, talk about transgenderism. They're not going to talk about abortion. They're not going to talk about gun control. They're not going to talk about these things that exist outside the Bible categorically, but yeah. relate to the Bible when you apply it. And specifically a lot of men don't grow up with any understanding of the line of Judah because it's never discussed. Um, yeah. And just the other day, one of my one of my supporters, one of the guys that's kind of on our inner circle here with Undaunted Life, he went on the the number one Bible app on the planet, right? It's been downloaded over 500 million yeah. times. And he went to the plans and he typed in Lamb of God. And he took a, a screen recording and he just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled for about two minutes. 
plan after plan after plan after plan that mentioned the Lamb of God. Then he did the same thing with Lion of Judah. Plug that in the search bar. Six. Six plans that have any mention of the Lion of Judah. Mine being two of those, right? (laughs) And so it it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, that's it right there. That's it. And And I always try to make this caveat when I talk about Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, is that we're not telling people to ignore the Lamb of God. We're telling yeah. people to embrace and understand and research and get to familiar with the totality of Jesus. Because if you look at Jesus as only as lion, you're wrong. If you look at Jesus as only as lamb, you're wrong. He's yeah. 100% both. Not yeah. 55, 45, not 70, 30. He's 100% both. And most men aren't getting that in the congregations they're growing up in. That's for sure. It and really I, is. And I think I, I relate to you so much on that. And I couldn't remember what you've said, but doughy is probably the best word I've ever heard. Cause I just think of like a soft biscuit that hasn't been cooked. Um, but like that definitely is something I relate to. Cause it was, it definitely was like these little button up shirts, pleated pants, <laughs> dress shoes kind of guy at church. And then um, probably over the last, like maybe 10 years or something, that's when I kind of got into more like, Hey, what is it to be a man? And like, why is it so, I mean, and this can maybe relate to the church a little bit more is just like, Hey, you have to wear this dress shirt or God's not going to see you kind of feeling. And that's where a lot of men, manly men are like, Hey, I like to go hunt. I like to get muddy and do that stuff. I'm not going to fit into that culture. If I'm like, I don't want to wear a button up shirt and pleated pants and all that stuff, but I want to go to church, but I don't, I don't want to turn into one of you guys because I think you mentioned on Cooper's stuff, something like uh, that, that same guy that was in the pleated pants dress shirt is out on the street cussing while you're breaking concrete. Um, and I, I agree. Cause that's kind of what I saw even growing up in church. Yeah. Like what's the difference? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's another thing that I want to bring up because I tend to paint with a broad brush because if, if you in a podcast or in an interview or any type of setting, if you try to cover every single possible scenario, you're, you're yeah. always going to miss out. And I'm also wary of people clipping my audio and, and using it later to make me seem like an animal. But at the same time, like, I don't care what kind of pants you wear. I don't, yeah. like, I don't care if they've got a crease down the middle. I don't care <laughs> if they even fit well. Like, yeah. I don't same thing. Like a lot of guys give worship pastors crap for wearing tight jeans. I don't care how tight your jeans are. If yeah. that's your style, if that's what you're into, if your situation has enough room to roll around, go for it, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but for me, it's, are you cultivating spiritual, mental, and physical resilience on a daily basis? Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're doing? And so I talk about jujitsu all the time. And I talk about that as one of the easiest ways to cultivate spiritual or really more mental and physical resilience because it's such a brutal and hard sport. Yeah. But I do also know guys that are spinal surgeons that are guitarists, that are dentists. These are guys that if anything were to happen to their hands, right? That would be, you know, incredibly damaging to their lifestyles and their ability to make a living for their families. And so I'm not going to demand that that person throw a gi on and get their hands all mangled up or arthritic. And like, I've, I've ripped every single tendon in this thumb, had to have surgery. Like it was this whole big ordeal. So I don't care what you're into. You could be into opera and cooking and all that. Are you cultivating spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily? Is that a focus yeah. of what you're doing? Because to me, that's what a man is. I don't care if you drive a full-drive truck, even though I do. I don't care if you like drinking whiskey, even though I do. I don't care if you have a beard, even though I have one. Yeah. That's not what makes a man. That's what a caricature of a man looks like, okay? Yeah. I care mm-hmm. about what you do. That makes sense. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, talking about the pleated pants or whatever, like my pastor growing up, 
he told the story. You know, he would always wear a suit, look good on Sundays, and but on uh, he was working on his car one day, so he had like overalls, and whatever. He loved cars, working on them, getting getting dirty, and someone from his congregation came by his house to talk to him or whatever, and were appalled that he was not wearing a suit, and they stopped going to the church. He was like, well, if my, if the way I look is, you know, when I'm working on a car is turning you off from church, then are you really following Christ or are you you following following the way I look, you know, but well, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know if y'all are familiar with preachers and sneakers. That's a uh, Instagram account that calls out pastors for wearing like thousand dollar Jordans or, you know, $3,000 Gucci pants or something like that. The funny thing about that. And, you know, I'm eventually I'll, I'll end up talking with that guy and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk more about it. I get his point. I get what he's trying to do. At least I think I do. But yeah. I don't see him including any pictures of pastors at congregations that are wearing thousand dollar tailored suits. Yeah. Right. Or because it's easy to identify a pair of Jordan ones. It's yeah. really easy to identify that. But when you're wearing a seven hundred dollar pair of Italian leather boots or, or, uh, or dress, dress shoes or something like that. Yeah. It's not as easy. Right. So you're getting on, you know, Carl Lentz who deserves everything that he gets, but you're getting on him for yeah. wearing expensive pants, but you're not going to get on this pastor that's in your community that's wearing a $2,000 suit. And he's taking from, you know, the, the donations to the church and the tithes in order to, to take care of himself in that way. So uh, again, there's, there's a lot of battles to fight. Yeah. That's just not one that I really get super wrapped around the axle on. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think um, what I always go to, because I've seen that guy, is I always wonder if somebody gave some people those things. Like, because I've been given and blessed exactly. with things, and I'm like, if somebody gave me $500 shoes, I'm going to take care of them, and, and, and I I'm might wear them. Yeah. Well, here, Jacob, like, dude, I literally, it's funny that you bring that up, because I was gifted a pair of... I've wanted Jordans my whole life. I grew yeah. up in a town where most of the kids wore Jordans. My family could never afford them. No, we're not buying you $200 shoes. You're out of your mind, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So even as an adult, as like a 34-year-old adult, I just I wanted a pair of Jordans, yeah. not to collect all of them, not to whatever. And my favorite Jordans were always the Jordan 3s for yeah. whatever reason. I was gifted a pair of Jordan 3s that cost an insane amount of money. They were a particular kind. They're like the, the dunk contest ones, you know, where oh, Jordan sweet. took off from the free throw line and they've got the red line on the bottom where he took off. They're great. They're amazing. I've yeah. worn them like three times. Right. But every time I think about wearing them in public or wearing them, you know, potentially to do a speaking gig, I'm like, am I going to be the guy that's going to have no context? And it's like, look, if someone gives you a gift, why would you hide it in a yeah, box yeah. somewhere? And so again, that's not really the point of what we're talking about today. I probably took us off on a tangent talking about Jordans, but it's just, it's no, one of those things that a lot of guys will look at something like what you were saying, George, and it's like, my pastor wasn't wearing a suit. What a piece of crap. It's like, I get <laughs> having your Sunday best. I get making sure that you don't look like a ragamuffin in church. But again, yeah. there have been people that have been walked in that are beaten and broken down and they need the savior. They need Christ. And they've been turned away because they didn't have a nice enough suit to walk in the door. And that's just not something that I stand for. Yeah. And that's sure. not, uh, to me, that's not showing the love of Christ at all. You know, if you can't welcome someone in as they are, how are you going to minister to them? Sure. Yeah. And so with with everything, like, that you, you speak of, you even I, – I really love what you're doing, man. Like, I appreciate it because it's, it's, it's helped me even. And so um, 
one of the things on your Instagram, it says we equip men to push back uh, darkness with context or content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. And then I think your first picture I saw was jujitsu. And I was all, that, that's kind of, it is though. Like, and I think, um, like you said, it doesn't matter uh, what, who you are, because I've known little, little tiny guys who can kick the crap out of big guys. And it doesn't really matter kind of that aspect of things, but are you, are you willing to go to war for, for your family and stuff like that? Like spiritually, like, because you will be attacked. We do have an enemy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's super important that you talk about the line of Judah because everybody does like, and I, you've mentioned it before about meekness, what meekness actually means. I don't know if you're going to touch on that, but definitely something I think that's important. Well, wait, I can touch on it now. I mean, when you look at the word meek and how it's used in scripture and you go back to etymologies and all those different things, the, the best way to think about the word meek is not to think of weak. That's a yeah. modern Western contextual use of the word meek. Mm -hmm. What's a better way of describing it, and it's actually, believe it or not, it's Jordan Peterson who's the one that kind of like, you know, was able to bring this to the world in a way that was, you know, digestible. But it's knowing how to use your sword, but leaving it sheathed. Yeah. It's being wildly dangerous, being capable of, of being violent, but keeping it under voluntary control. The problem with most guys is they just assume, so let's use jujitsu and fighting as a context. Yeah. You'll see a lot of guys that don't train that say, oh man, if anything ever happened to, to, or somebody was trying to hurt my wife or hurt my kids, I would just see red and it, I would just go for it and it would just work out. And I'm like, brother, I've seen a red a lot in jujitsu practice. And then I end up seeing dots because I'm being choked unconscious, right? So yeah. it doesn't matter how much adrenaline you have flowing through your body because guess what? If you're going up against someone that is physically superior or trained, you are going to be helpless. You yeah. may love wildly. You may wildly love your spouse and your children and want to protect them. You might be incapable of doing so, okay? Yeah. So that's the easy way to look at it is physically. But then you have guys that are physical monsters, right? Super strong, super dangerous, you know, Muay Thai fighters, boxers, jujitsu fighters, wrestlers, you know, their, their nose is all busted up. Their ears are all busted up. But if they needed to get on their knees and fight spiritually for their family, they wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. And that's again, why we talk about spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Cause most guys aren't crushing it in any of those categories. It's true. Certainly not crushing it in two, definitely not crushing it in all three. But yeah. that's what a man needs to be. That's the model that we get from Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, is he was a very spiritually, mentally, and physically resilient human being. I'm about to release a, a new devotional where we have an entire day dedicated to, was Jesus a manly man? Was Jesus a manly man? Because if I were to ask you guys, and if I were to ask any guy that I know, hey, name me the most manly men that you know of. Like I, the, the answers you would get, you might get, you know, Jocko Willink, you might get George St. Pierre, you might get Ernest Hemingway, you might get Theodore Roosevelt, you might yeah. get George Washington, like, and you'll get those names. Almost nobody would say Jesus of Nazareth, the historical Jesus. And there's a reason for that. It's because we've created in this modern church context, we've created boyfriend Jesus. We sing yeah. to him like he's our boyfriend. We, we talk about him as if he's just this blonde hair, blue eyed, white Middle Eastern Jew that's just going to like take care of us and embrace us to to his bosom and be our best friend, not the line of Judah, not the guy who came back with a sword coming out of his mouth and a tattoo on his leg with a robe dipped in blood. And again, whenever you look at those types of things, men aren't as attracted to the Lamb of God 
they understand the line of Judah more because most men have been to that point where they felt such extreme righteous anger, but maybe they didn't know what to do with it. So there's a lot of ways that I can take that, but I, I, you know, I don't want to go off on too many tangents because it's not my podcast. It's your podcast. So let's keep it going. No, we, we, we love when people talk. So, oh yeah. Go going with that. The passion of the Christ is probably one of my favorite, like, um, really passion, you know, movies, like, Watch it at Easter time. And uh, I love in there. And I don't have you seen The Passion of the Christ? Of course, yeah. Okay. So when he is in the garden, Jesus is in the garden, he's praying, the devil's coming around and and circling him. And then you see the serpent come out. Jesus stands up from his prayer and crushes the head of that snake. I'm like, that's Jesus. That's my Jesus right there. Right. Well, and George, a good contrast to that. I think it was History Channel or Nat Geo or someone like that. And this may have been close to 10 years ago. They did a Bible series or a Jesus series. And I think it culminated on Easter and it was like a six part series or something like that. Hans Zimmer did the music. Like it it was pretty good, but it was your typical dirty, blonde haired, blue eyed, white actor, right? Not a Middle Eastern looking Jew, which is what Jesus was. And I was so looking forward to the, the scene where Jesus was going to be overturning the tables in the temple, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I was just ready for it. I was like, yes, they're going to show it. It's going to be great. That's like my favorite Bible story. <laughs> and if you can go back and find the scene, this Jesus actor comes into the temple, sees what's happening. And then he's like almost about to cry like that kind of kind of, oh, no, what's happening? And then he just kind of casually starts walking around and almost like, oh, I'm going to have to turn over these tables. Oh, I'm in such emotional distress. And I was like, what? That's no, (laughs) you don't get that at all because here's the thing guys. And and I'll just ask you, how did he clear the temple? What did he have in his hand when he cleared the temple? Oh, he made a whip. Like he didn't didn't just like walk in with a whip. He grabbed the cords and was like, I want to make a whip and get these people out of here. (laughs) The point is that Jesus, there's no description that he walked in there with a whip or that he walked around with the whip normally. So he left the temple. And in a fit of righteous indignation, made a whip or found a whip and came back. This was premeditated aggression. Okay. But if there's a key in here, that's just a short story in the Bible, but there's a lot that you can pick out from it. Think about your Sunday school or your home group or your whatever, your, your kind of small group of people, or even your place of business. Yeah. Imagine what someone would have to be acting like or look like in order for them to come into your place of business or into your little space. And to start overturning tables and driving people out and for you and the people around you to not even think about stopping that man. Because I've thought about that because, get, dude, if somebody yeah. busted into my Sunday school class, there's a bunch of dangerous dudes in there. It's the worst day of that guy's life. There is <laughs> mm-hmm, no yeah. way that dude's sitting out of there unscathed. And it's like, dude, I've been training my whole life for this. Thank God I get to use it in a real context. Yeah. But to think, put myself in that context of like, what if I froze? What would that person have to look like, be like, or act like for me to just completely freeze? No one tried to stop Jesus when he was doing this. There's no recording of that in scripture. It was premeditated, righteous, and elongated aggression. That's the line of Judah. But again, we don't understand that as much, right? We, We don't quite, we can't familiarize ourselves with that type of a savior because again, he's hard to understand. That's the reason why I think most pastors just default to the Lamb of God because their congregation is majority women anyway. So the Lamb of God is just nice and easy. Let's just talk about the Lamb. Who cares? Yeah, for sure. You know, when you're talking about the, Jesus turning over the tables, which 
absolutely he did. He didn't walk into somebody's business and do that. Where I think people get like a a, a wrong view of that. What he did was these were this was the church. It was the temple that he went into, and they were selling sacrifices at the front door, taking them out the back, and reselling them to the people. And Jesus was like, no, no, this is not what you're doing to my people. And it was the religion. It was the the church basically that he came against yeah. and was like, no, this is wrong. You're turning my, my father's house into a, a den of thieves and definitely had that righteous indignation, righteous anger and turn that over. And really the way we are doing church nowadays and just trying to cater to everyone. And when I say we, I don't mean us three here. I mean, <laughs> it's just the, the church in general, like where is where you should be waiting for Jesus to come in and kick over those tables because we're not supposed to be pandering to the crowd. Or, or I, I think that even kind of fits with culture, like letting yeah. culture rule the church over what the Bible says about the church should be. And that's something we've been talking about and kind of to circle back to something you said <clears throat> that I thought of is uh, we had an army ranger sniper on this podcast who has done like <laughs> seven tours and um, <laughs> he even got blown up. His fingers flew into his hand. Uh, his thumb was hanging off his finger and he got it all sewed back on and then went for two more tours. And <laughs> we're like, what the heck, man? Um <clears throat> Like it, he's kind of like, like you said, there's always somebody you're like, Oh, that'd be the man's man kind of thing. But we don't see Jesus as that way. But if you really like, even think of it, you're, you're like, he had to be a man's man because let's, to be honest, I think most of us would die just getting whipped like from back then. And, and even to relate to what you said, like, would you be prepared in that moment? If somebody came in flipping over tables and all that, is a lot of stuff that even his name's Caleb. He was like, you, we trained a lot because he's an army ranger. Like you do a lot. And he goes, there are guys who are army rangers who still froze up on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's all about training and doing it. And he goes, but even then, if you didn't train right, or you just kind of push past some things or like, Oh, that's not a big deal. He goes like, there's trainings that they did where they would point, real guns at each other, empty, obviously checked it a, f a few hundred times and then would shoot it at each other because they're like, you have to get used to that. You have to be ready for it. And so, like you said, there's people who are like, Oh, I totally go and blast that guy right through the door because I could do it. But when there's an actual human being at the end of that, you might not, you might freeze up. Yeah. Part of it's, the mental preparation for a lot of these guys, you know, I I've talked to people that, you know, they refuse to train, they refuse to conceal carry, they refuse to have a gun in the house. And, and I asked them, you know, if something were to go down and, you know, somebody's between you and your safety or you and your family's safety, what are you prepared to do? And the answer is they're prepared to do absolutely nothing. They're prepared to be taken advantage of. They're prepared to be raped. They're prepared to be stolen from. They're prepared to be murdered. That's all that they're yeah. prepared to do. They're prepared to be a sheep. And that's kind of the thing is, you know, when I talked with Taya Kyle, that's Chris Kyle's widow, we were talking about, you know, basically rugged Christianity and also just this, this idea of being a sheepdog. And I had Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman on my podcast as well. And he, he awesome. talked about the, the sheepdog mindset. But again, there are only three categories. There are wolves, there are sheep, and then there are sheepdogs. 
And the only thing that keeps the wolves at bay are the sheepdogs. And so you have all these people, again, crying about toxic masculinity. They're only doing so because of a bunch of sheepdogs that are keeping the people on the other side of the hill from coming onto their hill and taking them over. Again, we we live in such a easy time to live. right? So I, I think the poem is, you know, hard times make strong men, strong men make good times, good time make weak men, weak men make hard times. We're in the weak men making hard times portion of things because things have been so good for so long for so many of us that we have to create these struggles. Like we have to pretend like if someone doesn't, you know, verify your gender, that is opposite of the one that you were assigned at birth, that that's somehow some sort of an attack on you as a person. When somebody describes an idea or a concept that is contrary to your worldview, that's an attack on you as a person. It's violence that's being done to you. It's like, you're not worried about verbal violence when there's physical violence all around you, go yeah. read about what went on during in the Soviet gulags, go read about what happened in what was going on in, in Auschwitz and all these other concentration camps, go read what the Soviets did to the Romanians. One of the most horrific things that you'll ever like figure out because the Soviets were trying to experiment as to whether or not they could tr- crush a person's soul before they fully crushed their bodies. The Martyr Made podcast went into that here recently. Wow. And so there are, there are a lot of things that you get into to where it's just like some things are just too overwhelming for you and you're just not going to be prepared for. But most men are just caught completely unaware. And there, there's no trophies for those people and there's no plaudits for those people. And you might not end up losing your life, but why not be prepared? And again, this isn't a preparedness podcast, but yeah. it does bleed into other areas of your life. Are you prepared mentally to deal with that phone call that brings you to your knees? Are you prepared spiritually to go to battle for your family? Most men are not. They're asleep at the wheel. Yeah, for sure. And something that you you also mentioned uh, was when um, when you talked about preparedness, uh, but also people take, I feel like the Bible verse, like turn the other cheek. There was a whole country that one of the guys that was on the podcast talked about was that um, – he said, there's, I can't remember what country it was, but he goes, basically they were taught, Hey, you need to turn the other cheek when, when like somebody says something or does something. And so they took that Bible verse and like ran with it so that there's other groups or other tribes coming to their people and raping their wives and all that stuff. And they're like, that's not, no, like you're still <laughs> a part of your ministry is to protect your family, not to just, Oh, well, we're supposed to not do anything at this point. And it's kind of like you said, Oh, I'm, I'm willing to do that, but you're also not following God's word because you're not protecting your family. You're not being the, the sheepdog of your family to protect them from the wolves. Well, the same thing you have in Exodus, our, our pastor is currently walking us through the 10 commandments yesterday. We talked about the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, it's thou shalt not kill, but the, you know, the real extrapolation is that it means murder. Mm-hmm. And so obviously if you kill somebody just because you wanted to, that is a murderous situation. Yeah. But even later on in Exodus, if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night, like, and you do harm to that person or you kill them, that is not considered murder. And in that word that, that's used, when you go back into the Greek, that, that takes into account, you know, negligent homicide, you know, you're just kind of shooting your, your gun up in the air and the bullet comes down and hits a kid in the top of the head and kills him. Like it covers all of those things. But yeah. again, you have these people that are saying, okay, we shouldn't kill. So there's no way that we should ever do war. And yeah. then that, you know, you can get into the just war theory and all those different things. Cause again, as, as an individual man, you're going to have to give an account to God for how you shepherded your family. Right. As a pastor, you're going to have to give an account for how you shepherded your entire flock. And if you've done so by 
extrapolating out a single piece of scripture, taking it completely out of context and applying it across the entirety of your life, it's going to be an issue for you. Yeah. Yeah. When you, uh, you brought up the Soviets and the Romanians and, um, I was in Romania probably about 10, 20 years after the fall of communism there. And it was Romanian Christians that fought back that started that revolution. I was in, on the steps of the uh, Basilica Timoshwara, which is like an, the Romanian Orthodox church where the revolution started. And there was Christians on the steps of that church. There were soldiers that were told that they had to kill those Christians. And if they didn't, there were soldiers behind them that were going to kill those soldiers. And just turn of events, they uh the they fought back. And the, the Christian the the soldiers that were supposed to kill them also fought back. And that's how the like it started on <laughs> the revolution there, it started on the steps of the church by Christians. That's yeah. You know, to me that's awesome. That they're 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 like, okay, we've had enough of this. Yeah. And fighting back. That's not meekness to me. Or that's not weakness, you know. Maybe that is more the meekness, like, all right, I've had enough and I'm fighting back. Yeah. And and just so everyone I looked it up real quick and it, it this is major listener aware like be, just be aware it's it's yeah. some of the most horrific stuff but uh episode 19 is called the anti-humans of the martyr made podcast that's daryl cooper's podcast um the last hour of that gets into to what the soviets did to the romanians and for any of you guys that it's the most brutal thing that i've ever heard in my entire life and i have a tendency towards dark things like i'm attracted to like dark documentaries and in the darker parts of scripture and all those different things it's the darkest most depraved thing that i've ever heard in my entire life it's unfathomable what the soviets did to the romanians but i think that's a good reminder for people that the soviets were were operating out of a strictly atheistic worldview and that was the logical outworking of the communist marxist atheistic worldview because at that point you're trying to destroy the souls of christians before you destroy their bodies and you cause and you make them do things that that are absolutely unspeakable. I guarantee you, if both of you were to come up with the worst things you think a person could possibly do to another person, I'm going to be close yeah. to what the Soviets ended up doing. This was a group effort to try to destroy a people group in a way that is is absolutely astonishing. But again, they got power because men were unable to stand up against the power at some point, yeah. right? It started out with individual homes, and then it became the entire continent of Asia and a lot of Europe. And and again, this this isn't you know a 20th century history podcast, but at the same time, it's one of those things that it took a lot of men just kind of going along with the way things were supposed to be, not stepping up and not defending themselves or their yeah. families, and it caused these this unbelievably demonic and satanic tidal wave of mm-hmm. of evil that is just it's it's hard to even understand how we got to that point yeah and and i guess to circle back to things is so like when to get to the bible a little bit on this uh so when you talk about the line of judah where can people look up more about what that is because i feel like even for me like 
I, I've been reading stuff and been in the Bible a long time, but like not everybody knows like, Hey, where can I find this? How does that fit into what I need to look for? Obviously we can find the lamb of God pretty easy. It's the line of Judah. That is a lot harder. I feel like, like you said, there's only six, six devotionals on it or six topics on it on the Bible app. And so I'm like, well, then obviously it's probably pretty hard for anybody, any man that's listening to this is where can I find that? How can I get more? And I know your podcast, we're totally about your podcast. So we're going to promote that too. But where else in the Bible does it talk about that? Yeah, there are a lot of places. So if you look at Revelation 5, I believe that's where you get kind of the, the lion from the tribe of Judah, right? Yeah. You know, the root of David. But basically anywhere where you get the lineage of Jesus, like going back to King David, um, you know, you're going to see stuff in the Old Testament. You're going to see stuff even in Genesis, uh, Genesis 49, you know, Judah is a lion's whelp. Um, and there's there there are a lot of things that kind of kind of run through as a, as a through point yeah. through, throughout Scripture. And so... It's, it's kind of one of those things where inherent in the issue that people have with the Lion of Judah is it's hard to just Google it and yeah. just find like the Lion of Judah or go to do the Bible app that you use or the Bible and just go look at the concordance or whatever and, you know, look for Lion of Judah. It's more of a description of who Jesus is throughout. So yeah. another way of looking at it is a great book by John Eldridge called Beautiful Outlaw. It basically puts yeah. personality on Jesus. As you're reading through scripture, it's kind of easy to just deadpan, read through the gospels and just assume that Jesus was just stern every time he said things. But I'm sure Jesus joked. I'm sure Jesus was maybe even a little bit sarcastic or maybe even, you know, needled his followers a little bit, or was, was, was a happy guy, a happy go lucky guy. He got angry at times, you know, righteous, righteously. And so if you were to search, you know, happy Jesus, you're not going to like, there's not going to be a bunch of things where it just shows like happy Jesus. Somewhat of that, you do have to kind of read between the lines a little bit as to kind of what you're seeing. But again, they do talk. If you search for lamb of God, that's going to be in there more so. But again, it's the story that we talk about with Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. That's the lion of Judah, right? Whenever he's coming back and as he's described in revelation, that's the lion of Judah. And so that that's, probably the easiest way to answer that without, you know, getting into the exact Every verse. Specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And I, I, that book, uh, what, what book was it again by John? Beautiful Aldrich? Outlaw. Beautiful Outlaw. So beautiful Outlaw. I was listening yeah. to, I was like, I know I was listening to that because you mentioned it and, and I was like, Oh, okay. So he tells that story about Jesus and the fish when they're fishing and he goes, well, they went back to what they knew after they, after Jesus had been, crucified and rose again and was back he goes they're fishing again he goes hey man why don't you throw it over the other side and they do and they fill up their whole nets with fish and he goes it's kind of like him being like that's where we started was you guys are fishing i said cast your nets over and they almost sunk their boats the first time and then again he goes but it's kind of like an inside joke with them like there you go again (laughs) like and he like the way john aldridge kind of described it as all oh that makes way more sense. And people don't think that Jesus cut up at all. Like, Oh, he didn't joke. And you're like, how did he not? I guarantee Jesus farted at one time and everybody laughed about it or something like, right. I mean, come on. <laughs> just said Jesus farted. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if either, either of you have, um, gotten the, the chosen one app. Um, the, the, I don't know, the Bible series on Jesus. Yeah. But like, I've been watching that the first few episodes in, in season one, and they really, I think they do a really good job of 
making Jesus for one look Middle Eastern, and a lot of the characters are definitely middle more Middle Eastern looking, the disciples and everything, and um, but it shows him like joking with the disciples, and and I don't know, I just. I just, I really like the way they portray Jesus because it's, it's much different than any way I've ever seen it before. Yeah. I haven't been able to watch that yet. Uh, my wife and I, we, we tend to kind of go to comedies. My, my wife isn't you know big <laughs> on dramatic things or something like that, but I've, I've heard of that show. I think they just released a second season not that long ago. And so that is something that I definitely want to get into. And the people that have seen it say it's just absolutely fantastic. It, it, it like gives people, it gives a, a backstory to like the disciples and Peter and, and it like, it's a backstory that actually kind of makes sense. You know, Peter was a, an angry dude and, and it's like, it shows him like fighting with his wife's brothers at the, like at the very beginning, you know, just duking it out. And I, and I just, I think they really do a, a good job of it. But, uh, on that, uh, I, I was thinking about David cause when we're talking about man's man's, like a lot of us look at, scripture and like David killed Goliath and David wasn't a, a huge man, but he was a warrior, you know, man after God's own heart. And he screwed up a lot, you know? Yep. And when he probably, you know, we might look at it as he screwed up the most is when he slept with Bathsheba and then, you know, killed her husband or had her husband killed pretty much. But Something very telling to me is there he sent the soldiers out to war and kings would normally go with the soldiers. They would be with their men on the battlefield. David stayed home. He didn't go to war. It was like being that doughy, you know, you never would really think of David as that doughy guy, you know, yeah. but he was when he slept with, with uh, Bathsheba and, like, ordered her to be brought to his house. He should have been at war, but he wasn't. He was at home watching porn. Like, how many men in the church are doing that? We're not out doing battle. We're, we're getting doughy, you know. And I, I know Jacob felt it this winter. I felt it this winter, like, just that I was just feeling a rage. Like I got to get out. I got to go to war. Well, when, when did men, like when we're really in warring times like that, when did we go to war in the springtime, you know? Yeah. And I, I always feel like God's telling me springtime's coming, be prepared, be prepared. And like, because we got a real battle going on with the enemy and, uh, I, I'm a worshiper. I love the Lord and I love those hard like worship songs <laughs> really yeah. get me going, you know, um, just they're out there. You got to look for it, but that's not even, you know, we've had a couple people on our podcast that are just like metal heads that love Jesus. Um, well, what do you think about that? Like just that David just sat back and let his soldiers go to war and, screwed up. I mean, ultimately this is a great example. Cause when you look at David, a murderer, Moses, a murderer, yeah. uh, Paul, a murderer, all these people were murderers and they're three of probably the most preeminent men of the scripture of, mm -hmm. of all of scripture. Right. And so I think that lets all of us kind of know where we stand, uh, in terms of kind of the things that we've done in terms of our ability to be used for Jesus. But 
I think ultimately a lot of men, spring is perpetually coming for them. Yeah. Right. But it's always winter time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the way I mean that is because these men are always looking at what's coming at some point in the non-defined future. And then they assume they can get ready for it later. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the person that they're, they're training to go run a marathon at some point. They're not training to go run a marathon next month. Yeah. Right. With, you know, maybe yeah. that's, you know, three months from now, you know, they've got the date set. They've already, you know, had their entry fee. They paid for everything. They're good to go. So you have these men that are just training and it's, um, it's amazing to watch that these men don't end up actually running that marathon. They don't end up actually registering for it because they're just kind of skating through. They're just kind of like amoebaing their way through the world. And there's nothing definitive about what they're doing in terms of their preparation. The same can be said for most men, right? So yeah. COVID, COVID hits, guys, churches are shut down. They're working from home, all these different things. And they gain a bunch of weight. They don't, they don't do anything with all that extra time. I, to, I said from the very beginning of the lockdowns, I said, guys, if you come out of quarantine fatter and dumber, like you messed up. Like yeah. this is that mm-hmm. time in your life where you were looking for, man, as opposed to spending 45 minutes commuting to and from work, you know, that's an hour and a half of my day. And, you know, I got to do these things. and I could do whatever. Like you had that extra time to do whatever it is that you wanted to do, to write that book, to, to train for that triathlon, to start doing jujitsu, to spend more time with your family, to really dig into your relationship with your kids. And yeah. most guys took it as an opportunity to set up more fantasy football leagues or to, to watch more porn or to... Yeah to, you know, get a deeper understanding of their favorite Netflix show or rewatch the office. And again, there's nothing inherently sinful or bad about any of those things I just mentioned, except for uh, the watching porn and and things like that. But most men are just in a perpetual state of I'm going to get ready eventually. There's nothing that's telling them to go now. That's one thing that I like to do and try to do with our podcast is I was like, no, 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 no. Now you do it now. So you want your pastor to start talking about abortion from the pulpit? You email him now. You set up a meeting with the secretary now. You say, Pastor, I've got your back. I know you're scared to talk about abortion because you know there's a bunch of uh, ladies in the crowd that have had abortions or men that have sat by and watched as their women killed their children. I know you're scared to talk about it because you think you're going to offend people. I got your back. We need to stand up for life. Again, it's telling them do it right now. Don't wait. You know, I'm, I'm going to be teaching people how to build a foxhole for the men that like themselves or the men around them. You have to do it immediately because if you don't, it just won't get done. These things don't just happen. They don't get done for you. You have to do them. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's how we started our podcast. We talked about it. We were talking about it like yep. probably for a couple months. And right? we just, yeah. And we then just we started just like, it when the pandemic hit. We're like, let's just do it. Let's, let's just go full force and do it. And, and I for mean, us, for us, that that was probably the work. busiest time of our our work. What, what we do, yeah. And we're like, yeah, let's throw a podcast on it. So, <laughs> so know. we both lived with ten teenage girls with our families and did life with them. And the school shut down; their therapists weren't coming in, and so it's it's a treatment center. And so um, we had to be all those. All of a sudden, we went from just being like, "Hey, we do life with you. We teach you things." To hey now we're your teacher we're your <laughs> we're your we help you with being basically therapized yeah. <laughs> and all this stuff and we're like man we have a lot of stuff let's do a podcast too <laughs> and so that's kind of how we did it but like um some 
I, I agree with you that if, if, if I wait, I know if I'm like, Hey, I want to do this and I don't start doing it. I'm not going to do it. Right. And I'm the same way. I think most men are like, if we don't like go, Hey, I've got to get this done and I'm going to do it. We won't. You know? It's pretty common. <laughs> um, I know we're getting close to, to the end here, but I just got to ask you this. What do you think of Proverbs 31? It's a loaded question. Well, <laughs> what do you so think? Okay, like, what do you think of Proverbs 31 in the context of men? Um, to be honest, I'd have to go back and, and reread Proverbs 31. I don't have it uh, memorized off the top of my head. So do me a favor and be a little bit more specific. Okay. So <laughs> I, I've, I've talked about this before, and, and, and uh, I know Jacob's heard this before, but Proverbs 31, people go, well, that's for women. But when I look at it, Proverbs 31 starts out like this. It says, these are the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So his mom's teaching him this. Oh, my son, oh, son of my womb, oh, son of my promises, do not spend your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. And it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave liquor. For if they drink, they may forget their duties and be unable to give justice to those who are oppressed. Liquor is for the dying and wine for those in deep depression. Let them drink and to forget their poverty and remember their troubles no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are perishing. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. That's how Proverbs 31 starts out. That's to men. That's to, like, we want to call ourselves the kings of our castles. Well, what are you doing? Are you speaking up for the pre- the oppressed? Are you speaking up for the unborn? Are you speaking up for the, the poor? Are you, are you, um, are you sitting around getting drunk and not, and not, and not doing what men are supposed to be doing, you know? Um, but, but people will just go with, with this part, who can find a virtuous and capable capable wife she is worth more than uh worth more than precious rubies her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life she will not hinder him but help him all her life so like yes that's true that's what our wives are are to do but then it talks about all this stuff that she's going to do she's going to spin flax she's her um her uh her family is well taken care of her husband is well taken you know was is talked about well in the streets because of his wife but it starts out like saying, man, this is what we're supposed to do. And I think people skip over that part and say, well, that's an admonition for women to do all these things for their man. Well, I think even more specifically on that first part, because you can look at it as an extrapolation for how we should utilize liquor because, um, or, you know, just strong drink of any kind, because I know that there are, I did an entire episode on this, so I don't remember which one it was, but I talked about Christians and alcohol Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's, there's no obvious delineation in scripture from my reading that Christians should not be partaking in alcohol in any, in any way, shape or form. It's, you know, that was Jesus's first miracle was turning water, not into Welch's grape juice, but into wine, alcoholic wine. You know, it's, it's a, uh, social lubricant, you know, there's scripture that talks about how, you know, but God gave this to us as a gift, but as with any gift, as with food, as with sex, as with anything, if you utilize it sinfully, it, it becomes a problem. But I think the, the issue there is when you get into verses eight and nine that you read there, you know, having, having to open your mouth, right. Mm-hmm. To, to, for the mute or 
to open your mouth, to judge righteously, to, to maybe even prophesy, to defend the rights of the poor and needy, to stand up for truth. That is really, really hard for some men to do. And it's because they don't want people to say negative things about them on Facebook, right? Because we live in a current context where men won't even post a scripture on Facebook because they think someone might post a sly, you know, sarcastic comment like, oh, you still believe in the spaghetti monster in the sky? <laughs> and they're just <laughs> terrified about what that looks like. Yeah. Or they're terrified of being canceled, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you say, I don't think we should be killing unborn babies in the womb. And someone's going to say, oh, so you hate women? And again, this goes back to equipping yes. men to be able to push back darkness. <laughs> like, if you're able to equip men to push back darkness, the thing that you need to do is you need to be prepared to give an argument as to why you don't think that that's something that should happen. Yeah. Right? I have an yeah. entire podcast called Answering 17 Pro-Abortion Arguments because most men don't have the foggiest idea how to respond in those situations. So what they will do is they will say nothing and they will do nothing. They won't, yeah. they won't stand up for what is righteous in those moments because they're afraid. They're afraid that they won't be able to perform well. They're afraid that, you know, it's going to get out of hand. They're afraid that people at work might look at them funny. There's a lot of reasons. So I, I think that is good that you kind of bring that up, George, is that that is an admonition. That That is a declaration for men that, yes, you should be ready to speak up in these situations. Again, there are times when there is a need to be tactful, right? There yeah. are situations that require a scalpel. So if you go in with a hatchet, you're not really doing the right thing. But for the most part, men just aren't really prepared to do that either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for, you know, I wasn't really like wanting to talk about the liquor part, but like it says, don't guzzle wine. Like to me, like you're guzzling wine, you're, you're sitting, you're setting out to get hammered. You're not just having a drink with your friends. You know, um, I've, uh, I enjoy whiskey every once in a while, you know, um, or enjoy having a beer every once in a while. Uh, but I'm not sitting there getting hammered and not able to do my duties as a man, you know? And, um, I think that's really what this scripture is talking about is these are the things that men are supposed to do. We're supposed to stick up for those who can't stick up for themselves. And I think your undaunted life podcast really speaks to that. Um, wow, that was a a weird crack in my voice. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Can we take that out? No, (laughs) but Um, that's why I love that you do this podcast. I love undaunted life. I love that, that, um, that you have that cool line behind you. Uh, cause we're missing that. Yeah. Just missing the mark there with men. And, uh, I mean, wild at heart. I love that book by John Eldridge. I keep going yeah. back to it. And that was what, 20 years ago that he wrote that. Yeah, I think uh, he just released, re-released the book with some updates and things like that. I think it was released in 2000, 2000 or 2001. So yeah, it's been around for a long time. And again, that is, I say it all the time, that's the seminal men's ministry book. But yeah. at some point, Wild at Heart, the, the mantle is going to have to be picked up by somebody. And, you know, there are things that Wild at Heart does as an organization, that Ransom Heart does as an organization that I, I think should be done different. And the way I, I mean that is, you know, John Eldridge is a mentor of mine, but one thing that they don't do is they don't get into the cultural space, really. They don't get in the political space, really. It's not really a place that they go. And that's a, a decision that they've made that I respect. But that's what, exactly where we're going to go. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if the church is if the church is going to be downstream from culture, then we need to fight the culture wars, baby. And so, yeah. again, it's about equipping men to push back darkness. When the church was upstream of culture, then you could kind of sit back on your laurels a little bit, but we don't live in that world anymore. 
Yeah. Now, and I love that you said that you don't, you know, Wild at Heart doesn't do that, but you do. Like, you saw something for men that was, like, was missing from there, and you're like, all right, this needs to be done. I'm going to do it. Like us doing well, this that's, podcast, that's, this needs to be done. We're going to do it, you know. When it needs, it needs to be said again that, again, everyone has their own battle to fight. So yeah. I get asked all the time about, you know, boys – to, to manhood types of curriculum. And that's something that Undaunted Life will eventually do, you know, rites of passage type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an area that I know other organizations that are tackling that. And that's the only thing that they do. And so there's a certain, there's a certain beauty to people that specialize and do things in a particular way. And then there's a certain beauty in, in, you know, people that kind of do a lot of different things well. And so just because an organization has decided not to focus on a particular subject matter or a particular way of going about it, you know, I don't necessarily think that's something you should bring up as a, as a negative. I certainly haven't, but you know, Wild at Heart operates the way that they operate. They operate in the the spheres that they operate and they do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. I've just chosen some other fronts that we're going to do battle on. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that because you like that's like that's what I mean. Like you're, hey, this is a need that I see being, that needs to be fulfilled, and you're doing that. And yeah, I, and I just want to encourage you keep doing what you're doing, man. Like it really does touch a lot of people. I've I've shared your podcast with a lot of guys who are like, man, this is what I need. It this is what I need to hear, mm-hmm. and that just keep letting God use you, man, and keep following what, what God's telling you. Cause I, I appreciate the crap out of you. Cause I'm like, wow, this is, this is what I need it. And then when I heard you on John Cooper's podcast, I was like, man, this is what I need it. And then I, that's how I went down the rabbit trail of your podcast to asking you to yeah. just be on ours, which thank you again for being on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for, for, uh, for both of you guys, Jacob and George, like I appreciate the invitation. That's one thing that I, I always try to remember, like in all humility, some of the people that I was reaching out to initially that said, yes, I'll come on your show. And they didn't ask me, Hey, what are your numbers? Hey, how many followers do you have? Hey, how many of this just, yep. I will, I will donate you an hour of my time. Yeah. Uh, just because like, I always try to keep that in mind. And again, there's a guy out there that needs to hear this and they need to hear the way that it's being said as well. Cause again, mm-hmm. the common refrain for me and the common thing, whenever guys reach out to me is that nobody's talking like the way that you're talking, nobody's saying it the way that you're saying it. Or my, probably my favorite email or message to get from somebody is I felt this way for the longest time, but I didn't know how to say it. I couldn't put words to it. So episode 176 of my podcast, you know, it, it's called contemporary worship music is for women and effeminate men. The number of people that have reached out saying I felt this way for years and had no idea how to say it. That that's why we're doing this. That's yeah. one of the biggest reasons why we're doing this is because men are not being represented in their churches and I'm trying to equip them to be able to push back. But again, this, this is a podcast that's going to help do that. So I would encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Keep being consistent. That's, that's the biggest thing. The reason why my podcast is still around is because I haven't missed a week since we launched in 2017. We've done at least one episode a week since then, regardless of what was going on in my world. And so yeah. be consistent, keep pushing, keep sharing the stuff around. And for any of you guys that are listening to this, um, the, the show is called Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm sure y'all will put that in the show notes. But if yeah. you search for mm-hmm. Undaunted, it's going to bring up like a bunch of shows that aren't mine. So you're going to have to make sure you search for Undaunted Life and you'll be able to find us there. For awesome. sure. And so I think this is a great uh, part to end this podcast. But something I didn't tell you, which I purposely don't tell anybody, is we always ask our guests to pray us out of the podcast. Absolutely. We'll do. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we come before you now. And Lord, it is common for men to rely on their own strength. And we encourage men to do that, but ultimately we do need to rely on you because anything good that we're able to do, it came from you originally. 
Lord, we just thank you so much for the blessings that you have given us. You've given us so many blessings that we can see, but you've also given us a ton of blessings that we cannot see. And I would hope that you would be able to reveal those things to us, those blessings that you have given us that maybe weren't the loud blessings, maybe weren't the big blessings, but the things that have kept us going and kept us focusing on you. Lord, we just pray and thank you for Jacob and George. We thank you for everything that they've been able to do with this podcast. We thank you for being able to bless what we're doing with Undaunted Life and to continue to push men to be able to push back darkness. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.